0: Welcome to Essential Ethics and this special podcast in our series, Pandemic Ethics in a Children's Hospital. I'm your host, John Massey, Clinical Lead of the Children's Bioethics Centre here at the Royal Children's Hospital, Melbourne. Today we're exploring the difficult issue of when parents might refuse to have their child tested for coronavirus. To help us think through these issues, I'm joined by Professor Lynn Gillam, Academic Director of the Children's Bioethics Centre and Professor of Bioethics at the University of Melbourne School of Global and Population Health. Lynn, welcome. Thanks, John. Lynn, there's a lot of information out there about coronavirus and about the importance of testing. I think people feel secure that if we can do testing and that there's now availability of testing, that then staff will feel safe. And a lot of it's about the staff feeling safe and not necessarily about what it means for the child. So particularly in children, coronavirus may act more like a nasty viral respiratory infection rather than an illness that has very, very specific treatment. So what I'd like to do is present a scenario. And typical for for clinical ethics, it's a bit messy, So this is a five-year-old boy who's brought to the emergency department with high fever, lethargy, cough and breathing difficulties. And in the current era, one might reasonably expect that this could be coronavirus. There's no contact with a COVID-19 case or recent overseas travel. The boy has moderately severe autistic spectrum disorder, which is associated with a fear of medical procedures. His mother refuses a nasal and throat swab on the basis that it will severely upset him and set his ASD treatment back. So I guess the question to you is, is it acceptable to accede to mother's wishes and not to do a COVID swab?
1: Mm. So it's a puzzle, isn't it? Because we're used to thinking about people wanting testing and now we've suddenly got this hypothetical scenario in which a parent refuses testing for their child. Let's start with first principles. Uh, Parents have the right to be the decision makers for their child. Um, That has to fall uh, within certain limits. We talk about that in terms of the zone of parental discretion, which is the the ethical and legal space in which parents can make decisions for their child, even if it's somewhat suboptimal for the child. We let parents make a whole range of decisions. The point of intervening is the point at which that's harmful to the child. So carrying out the parent's decision would actually be harmful to the child. So in this situation, if we're thinking about the child to begin with – the nasal swab is not pleasant, so I haven't had one. I've spoken to some people who have. I know that it brings tears to your eyes, and that's a sign that you've got the swab in the right place. So it is an unpleasant procedure. Is that right?
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it, it goes deep into the nose and then into the back of the throat, and an older child or an adult will put up with it, um, and, and they might put up with it partly because they want to know so people are fearful of having COVID. People are very fearful of giving it to other people. Mm. And so they'll trade off the discomfort mm. versus the value to them of knowing.
1: Yep. But here we've got a young child with autism spectrum disorder who probably doesn't want to know and doesn't have that sense of why it's being done. Uh, so the capacity to put up with it for that reason is probably less. Um also, in relation to his autism spectrum disorder, uh, it's easy to imagine him getting much more distressed than another five-year-old mm. would. So, his mother's position seems very reasonable, on the face of it. Um, so, the other harm question to think about is whether we actually need a COVID nineteen test result in order to provide best care for this child.
0: And I think that at the moment, as as described, this is a child in the emergency um, department. That if he required um, admission to hospital, he might need oxygen. And, and that seems to have been for the vast majority of children around the world who've become sick with COVID. That's the level of therapy, and that low flow nasal prong oxygen isn't particularly aerosolizing. So if we start to think about what the disease might be for other people, um, and there isn't a proven individual therapy for him. So if he, we knew he had coronavirus, um, would we give him particular antiviral? Mm. Um, uh, the answer is no. There mm. isn't anything beyond supportive care.
1: So I think I'm hearing you say that it wouldn't make any difference to his management in hospital whether we knew he had coronavirus or not. His respiratory symptoms his, would be his managed.
0: illness for this individual... The answer is no.
1: Okay. So that suggests that this child doesn't gain anything personally out of being tested. And you can see that there are losses for the child in the discomfort, the distress. And to the extent that that's going to have an impact on his fear of hospitals and procedures and capacity to cope with medical care in the future, there's lots of reasons to not. Do it. Okay, so now we're in the pandemic situation, we've got staff safety to worry about because we don't have a vaccine and as you pointed out, we don't have a specific treatment. So we would actually be wanting to test this child really for the sake of other people, not for the sake of the child. So that's what we're balancing. Is the risk to other people bad enough that it would justify going against the parent's very reasonable assessment that it would actually be worse for her child to have a, a test um, in order to protect staff. So again, contextual, John. This is a contextual question. I mean, Lynne,
0: if, if the listeners can hear the rustling, and you know, and I think that that's Immanuel Kant turning in his grave because we're <laughs> we're sort of proposing using one person as a means to another's end, aren't we? Which is always bad ethics. Is that what we're talking yes, about? Yes,
1: that's. The, you can feel that angst. I think in my voice. Certainly going on in my mind, we shouldn't treat one person as a tool to help other people. And the only thing that makes it okay to do things like that is the consent or agreement of the person who's being used. So if I agree to be tested for the sake of other people, absolutely fine, because I agree. But we've got a five-year-old who can't agree. The person who would agree on his behalf is saying no because it's – would – be in many ways, detrimental to him, and we can probably agree with that assessment. Well, so it's I'll, worrying.
0: It is worrying, and i to drop some other names because I'm a shameless name dropper, and, and you'll know perhaps where this comes from. It, not my name dropping, but these who, who's articulated this: Locke or Hobbes or Mill, because it, you, you know you, you've got personal liberty, and mm. and the child and, and family as a, a dyad. If you like, personal liberty: do what you want up until the point it's harming others. Yes. So where does that fit now?
1: Yes, we have to take that into account. So uh, as exactly as you say, everyone's liberty or freedom to do whatever they want uh, is limited by the extent to which it might cause harm to others. So how much harm to others would it cause if this child doesn't get a test? It certainly causes, um, I guess, uh, inconvenience of having to wear full protective gear uh, which you wouldn't otherwise do. It probably makes managing things in the hospital harder, takes more time. Now, inconvenience is probably not enough, I think, to to limit this mother and child's freedom to not have the test. What really matters then is whether that infin- inconvenience also involves using up personal protective equipment and time, which is actually needed for other patients or needed, broadly speaking, for the healthcare system to protect Staff, so I think that the key thing that matters here is how scarce our resources of personal protective equipment
0: are. So at the moment, we're at a situation, uh, Lynn, where the the information's not going to materially help the child, benefit the child. Um, that the illness is probably going to follow a fairly short, self-limiting time. So perhaps the degree of PPE use. We'd have to treat him as if he was test positive, even mm. if he wasn't. Um, and we are probably be going to do two tests um, if he was negative to prove he's negative again. So that's a sort of another issue by which time we probably got him out of hospital. But I'm just going to dial the sensitivity analysis up a little bit. He's got sicker, needs to go to the intensive care, may need some respiratory support, so non-invasive or invasive ventilation, risk aerosolisation, uh, more. Um, potentially knowing if it's COVID or if it's perhaps influenza at this point might benefit him mm. because we might use an influenza antiviral.
1: Okay, so this situation seems potentially ethically different in two ways. One is you're now saying that there might actually be some benefit to him in knowing. Uh, So that gives us more of a reason to test for his sake. Also, intensive care is a particularly limited resource. And I imagine that use of PPE in intensive care setting um, is also potentially a limited resource. So we might have also more reason in terms of protecting others from harm. I'm going to move to what I think might make it a little bit easier, which is if he's sick enough to be in intensive care, he's probably already sedated or he could be sedated so we could make the experience less unpleasant for him. Is that possible?
0: He might have less fight in him.
1: <laughs> yeah, now you've bothered me because I wanted you to say, yeah, look, he would just be calmer no, and it would easier. not here to make easier. it easy for you, Lynn. No. If I could... I'm already thinking there's more compelling reason to test him now. And if you could give me some hope that it would also be less unpleasant for him, that would make me feel a lot better about it. Yeah, I mean, I think the
0: sicker he is, then you're right. If he was intubated, then he would be sedated and you'd be able to do um, your test. So I think the first situation in the emergency department, perhaps even coming in for a day, might sit within the zone of parental discretion, that it's okay not to, even though we, not to do the test accede to the parent's wishes, even though we might prefer to, to do so. Mm. But if he gets sicker, then that becomes more nuanced. He has capacity to benefit. There's greater risk to staff. Could we override parental uh, requests not to in that situation?
1: Yes, in the end, I think we could, either on the basis that the parent's refusal of testing has now got to a situation where it is causing harm to this child, because there's something we need to know that we can't find out, or because it's posing too much risk to other people. So either of those grounds would potentially cover it.
0: So thank you, Lynne. I think we've actually been able to resolve this, uh, which is initially quite a tricky clinical situation. Uh, and it's, it's part of what ethics can do, can a- allow a framework of thinking to work through the problem and come up with some reasonable options. So, uh, Lynne, thank you very much for joining us on Essential Ethics. Thank you, as always, John. And if the listeners have enjoyed this podcast, please give us a rating on your podcast app. This podcast was brought to you through the generous donation of the Friends of the Children's Bioethics Centre Auxiliary. The podcast was produced by the creative studios of the Royal Children's Hospital. To find out more about the activities of the Children's Bioethics Centre, visit us on RCH dot.org.au/forward/slash/bioethics. There you'll also find information about our annual conference, which is going ahead this year in an online format and will be called Ethical Reflections on Coronavirus Pandemic. Essential Ethics, be inspired.